Welcome to the Living In Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so this week on the show, I'm joined with Sajik Patel. And Sajik, your official title is COO, but uh, I heard you're someone who doesn't like titles uh, or at least likes agent and coach. Um, tell me why agent and coach. Well, I started my journey as an agent. Okay. So started back in 2009 as a real estate agent. Still have my real estate team today um, and coach because uh, that's when my life changed, right? 2015, I became a MAPS coach. Um, it, it dove right into that journey and trajectory of growth personally has changed massively. Okay. So if we go back then prior to 2015, you said you started as an agent and then prior to that, um, first generation in, in America, right? And, um, and so you have had multiple jobs, right? Barista and housekeeper and, and uh, property manager and a number of titles. Um, walk me through how you got here. It's kind of how I got to the role that I'm today. Yeah, yeah, kind of that yeah. journey of like how your how your career started. So, I mean, coming out of uh, college, you know, I was a software engineer. Yeah. Um, and I just got burnt out, right? Working seven days a week, 18-hour days. I was the lead engineer on that. Um, and that software was being used by over 100,000 people in uh, colleges and universities. Got So decided to get into uh, hospitality business with my dad because I grew up in it. So we bought a bank-owned property. We flipped it. We put $1.5 million into it. Took a business from doing 600000 to doing $1.3 million in three years. And, uh, you know, I got bored after three years. Okay. Um, and so I have this uh, trajectory of, like, every five years I'm going after a new career. Yeah. And so it went from the hospitality business, then I got into a coffee shop business. Okay. That franchise, it kind of bellied up on me three years in, and they had fought bankruptcy, so I ended up shutting down. And at that time, it was right during the housing market crash. And uh, me and my brother-in-law were like, hey, we should get into commercial real estate. Uh, okay. We're buying and selling hotels. Why don't we just get into it? Well, 2008, no one was getting into real estate to do commercial because those guys were starving. Yeah. So I got in and I said, okay, I'm going to learn all about short sales. Learn everything there was about short sales and then started teaching it the Keller way, which I started going from market center to market center and getting referrals from it. So if you ha you started a business and the, the business was a coffee shop, right? And it went out of business. How come you got back up off the mat and decided to, to go into another business? I don't quit. Okay. Right? I mean, I was at the bottom of the bottom that, uh, at that point in my life, I had lost $250,000 of our okay. earned money of me and my wife. And, uh, you know, we depleted all of our savings to, to make this coffee shop business work and it just wasn't working. So I ended up shutting the door and said, okay, it's time to go Yeah. and got into real estate. And, you know, it, it wasn't something I was just doing to, to hang a license. It was like, I need to make a career out of this. First year, sold uh, 23 homes, rookie of the year, and I only brought home 18,000. Eric, I thought I was like, oh my God, I left a six-figure <laughs> job to make $18,000, yeah. and I'm rookie of the year, and I'm getting celebrated for this. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Right? So, but every year, I didn't give up. Every year, I kept doubling my business, doubling my business to the point where, you know, I mean, uh, there was a period when I went through Bold and it did the, the Bold 100 Challenge 12 weeks in a row. And came out making two hundred fifty thousand dollars in in a matter of twelve weeks. Yeah, that was the most money I've ever made. Oh yeah, what uh, you know? People who know you now know you that you're successful in 
in a number of different aspects. What was it like, if you can remember back, what was that feeling of failure like uh, from having that business and then knowing that your wife probably also was, uh, you know, was your wife concerned? Did you have questions? What was it like if you could go back to that moment? Oh, it was, uh, it was very painful, right? It was like, uh, you know, is uh, we had just had our first son and we were about to have our second son. And in the midst of this is when the coffee shop, the black hole happened, right? So it was like, okay, we're starting a family and I'm on a single income right now. Yeah. My wife wasn't the best. So she was the income. She was the income. Okay. And we, you know, we were in the process of buying a home and everything at that time was just yeah. uncertainty. Did she believe in you when you went to start the next one? Oh, 100%. How come? Biggest supporter. Okay. Because um, she saw my work ethic. She saw what I was able to do with the hotel. She saw, you know, and she, we met when I was a software engineer. She just knew my work ethic. And to me, there, my work ethic will get me to success. I'm not afraid of working hard. I'm not afraid of doing dirty jobs. I'll do whatever it takes to succeed. Yeah. Did you learn that from the hotel business? I learned to grow it up. Right. My dad, I mean, when he migrated here and my parents, uh, you know, they came here with nothing. Um, and literally we did everything in a small hotel in South yeah. Pennsylvania. Um, from the time that we bought the hotel when I was five, uh, three years old, all the way up until I went to college. I mean, I did everything in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. My parents taught me everything. You worked front desk, your housekeeping, you were all of that. Yeah. What, uh, and then what does it look like now? What is the, what, do your parents still have a hotel and Dad's retired. Okay. Um, we sold our hotel this year in March, uh, and he officially retired. But we hadn't been running the hotel. I I was uh, remotely managing the hotel with a general manager in place uh, for the uh, since 2016. But we, I've kept my dad out of it just because he's had some heart issues and stuff. So wanted to make sure he could re live a retired life, and I've also providing for him. That's awesome. Um, so I know that, uh, you have a vision of also providing for other people, um, not just, not just your father. Tell me a little bit about kind of your bigger why and goal about why you, you know, why you work so hard and why you keep pushing. Yeah. My big why is, you know, um, I know how, how hard my parents worked to help me and my sister go to college. Yeah. I know what we went through growing up, um, being minorities and, you know, yeah. in, in a non-diverse community. And okay, what I want to do uh, outside of Pittsburgh. Yep. Outside of state college, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And my big why is I want to go create educational opportunities for kids. Okay. You know, um, you know, during a uh, family reunion, you know, I got, had the opportunity to speak with Mo and, you know, share my story mm -hmm. is, you know, being able to go help these kids who don't have the opportunity to get education. I think every child should have that opportunity. Yeah. They all have their own brilliance and I want to be able to, in the next 10 years, help a hundred thousand kids gain education. Of all the causes that you could commit to or be passionate about, why that one? Well, it happened actually uh, when I was in college. My freshman year, my grandfather passed away. And at that time, uh, my grandmother really wanted to start a school for the kids in the little okay. village where he grew up on because they didn't have schools there. So that was yeah. the very first one in India. Okay. So that was the very first one. And out of my first job, I gave, I had three jobs going through college, but I, okay. I saved up enough money that I sent you know, a small portion, it was only $5,000, but I sent it to you to help fund the school that we started in, in my grandfather's name. And since that day, that's been my mission. Okay. And, and now it, what would that be worth like an equivalent to today uh, comparative to India at the time, the 5,000? Oh my God. 5,000 today is, uh, I mean, 
back then the currency differential was probably a, a one dollar was 30 rupees right now one dollar is like 80 rupees oh wow so substantially a lot more money okay so you were able to make far bigger impact than on on multiple kids yeah. okay um and so you said 100,000 100,000 why not 100 or or 10 you know or or I mean, 100,000 has to sound like an insane number it is an insane number but it's what we learn at Keller Williams right <laughs> think big yeah. I got to shoot for a big goal and any kid, any number in between uh, zero and a hundred, I've been successful. Okay. I don't look at it as, as a failure, okay. but I'm building everything with my nonprofit around. I want to hit the hundred thousand. And you're funding that through your investments, correct? I'm funding that through my investments. So I started a 5013C. It's called CEO Kids. CEO standing for creating educational opportunities for kids. And I'm funding a lot of it right through my investments right now. So I'm scaling my investment portfolio up so that one, it covers all the passive income my family needs in yeah. order to live the lifestyle that we do, which is a small lifestyle. You know, yeah. you heard about Gary uh, driving the, you know, a yeah. Toyota when, when uh, he first started out. Yeah. Mine's the same way, right? Like I don't need a fancy car. I drive my mm -hmm. Honda. Yeah, you were right. living in Cleveland two years and, ago. And I was living in Cleveland. Yeah. And so, you know, everything for me, it's what can I do to actually make an impact? Where can right. I go invest my dollars such that it creates passive income to fund education for these kids? Okay. And so you're doing that investing in real estate, right? Yeah. Um, what have you what have you learned about investing in real estate that you would like teach agents or talk to other agents about about building that wealth? It, it's the single greatest asset that we don't lean into as okay. agents, right? Um, if I hadn't listened to Gary on stage back in 2017 and heard him say, you can be anywhere you want to be. Yeah. Um, people overestimate what you can accomplish in a year and underestimate what you can accomplish in five. And if I hadn't leaned into that and then picked up the MREA, I probably wouldn't have the portfolio I have today. Right. Is investing. We help people create wealth through what we do every single day and helping people buy and sell transactions. What we don't do is go help ourselves. We don't actually go do it for ourselves because every time you go out on a listing appointment, you should be asking yourself, is this something I'm going to buy or is this something I'm going to list? Okay. And so then if you, if someone's going to be listening and they're going, okay, Sajik, I don't have any doors at all. Um, how did you get started or how would you advise someone to start? Obviously it's going through that rubric of should I buy it or should I list it? Um, but is that residential? Is that commercial? Is it well, starting out residential? I had five single family homes before it really okay. started scaling for me, right? So I went from five single family homes to in two and a half years having over a hundred doors. Okay. And you know, in, in, you said in two and a half years? In two and a half years. Wow. Talk, talk to me about that. How do you go from five to 100 in two and a half the years? The scale up game, right? So I went from the five single family homes um, and I had built enough equity into them. I sold them and then I'd go buy a duplex. And then I bought the duplex, then I'd go sell another single family home, got by a fourplex, sold yeah. another single family home, went and bought an eightplex, and then a 16plex, and okay. then about 232 and a 36, right? Now I've sold- Leverage on them all? Leverage on okay. all of them. And then now I've sold my hotel and I've sold uh, one of my apartment buildings. And this year I was able to buy, in the last 90 days, literally, yeah. over 400 storage unit facilities. Wow. Doors, right? Okay. So being able to play that scale up game is when you can really, you know, maximize on what your true potential is. And are you 1031ing? Were you 1031ing into all of those? 1031ing on the ones I just sold, and I do cost segregations on all. Okay. Right. Because okay, 
what we do as realtors, we pay a lot of money to Uncle Sam. Yeah. And how do you actually keep some of that money yeah. so that you can use it towards passively investing? It's wild. I think, you know, the fascinating thing is agents always think about a split, but they never think about the split they give to Uncle Sam. That's right. Which is far greater than any other real estate team or real estate brokerage. They're billed to, to the IRS that they never hold accountable is one of the highest yeah. we have. I mean, so, 2020 was the first time that I did the cost seg. Okay. And I was used to paying the IRS anywhere from a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that year I got two hundred and ten thousand dollars back at free. Because <laughs> that you was go backwards and do that payment on the next. Did you go in arrears and do your cost seg, or that was it? Okay, okay. And and so you you went from basically single family to to small duplexes or triplexes squads, um, and then you've scaled up from there. Um, you're investing in a high interest rate market. How come? Still a great time to buy. Okay. Just got to find the right asset. Okay. Well, so how do you know the difference? Well, you run the numbers, right? So I have my criteria and if I don't hit certain criteria, I don't even look at it. But every day I wake up with a mindset of an investor, which is the very first thing that Gary talks about a millionaire real estate investor. Yeah. So every day it's my routine is I'm looking at investment properties. I'm running numbers every single day. And if I've come across a deal, my offer is in before the agent's even awake. <laughs> so, you know, people say, well, how'd you find 90 in this market that we're in right now? You know, or how'd you find three properties in the last 90 days in yeah. the market that we're in right now? It's I'm in it every single day. There isn't a property that hits the market that meets my criteria that I don't have an offer in before seven o'clock. What market are those in? What market are you looking? All across the country. Okay. So you're looking for whatever your buy box is. Cash return. Okay. Um, and you've got a buy box set up that you like, and you're just filtering this either, this either maths out or it doesn't. Yeah. Now my criteria is I don't buy anything under a million dollars. Okay. What I found is the million dollars in my sweet spot. And if I'm going to continue to keep leveraging cost segregation where it makes sense for me, mm -hmm. the million dollars is my bottom threshold. Next is I'm looking at nothing less than a 15% cash on cash return. Okay. People are like, that, that doesn't exist. It's out of cash. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? So, and I had to reduce that because of the interest rates. Yeah. It was 20%. But I said, you know what? If I can go get 15 today, I know when I can refinance, I'm back over 20. Yeah. So my banker uh, and my lender, my commercial lender, I built a relationship. It's all about the relationship. Same relationship or? Same relationship for all of my properties. And he's given me better interest rates than most commercial lenders. Okay. The terms are better. They're in my favor. And he knows that I'm going to make sure that asset performs and yeah. he's not going to get it back. Yeah. Right now, if you look at what a lot of commercial lenders are facing, they're getting assets oh, back yeah. because they had a lot of newcomers come in and they didn't understand what it means to actually focus on cash on yeah. cash rather than having a, an asset that's losing money. Yeah. So is uh, do you think now then is a good time, given the condition of the commercial market, if someone's appetite is to have commercial real estate is now a good time to look hundred percent. Yeah. Wait till you find the right deal that meets your criteria. Yeah. Is the deals are coming. And so with storage, the interesting thing is storage is both an investment and a business. How of all the things that you have going on, all the daily commitments, how will you manage that? Yeah. So I have three part-time people that are feet on the ground at okay. each one of my storage locations, but I manage all three of them remotely. Okay. It's not hard. Yeah. Right. And what I tell people is, look, when you're willing to put in the time and the effort and you understand that this is a hospitality business, right? Everything in real estate is hospitality. It is. That's my yeah. background. Yeah. It comes down to customer service. Yeah. I manage all three of my facilities. When I took over all three of them on the weekends, I called every single client, got them turned into an automatic payment. Of the so 400, of the 400 roll-ups. Okay. Yep. 
lead generation, right? Okay. I wanted to make sure that every single one of them knew that I was going to take care of them. And I got them uh, set up on reoccurring payments. I didn't have to go chase checks every single month. All of these existing ones came from mom and pops that they didn't have the current technology on it. They didn't have reoccurring payments on it. Yeah. When I got people set up and I told them what I was doing with the facilities, upgrading lighting and security, they were all happy. They're happy to do it. Didn't lose a single client. Okay. Now there's someone who would go, but now they have my phone number and uh, you know, now I've got to, you know, worry about, they're going to call me or it's just one additional hassle. How do you work around that? Everyone has my personal cell phone. And I haven't gotten a single call. Okay. So you call them from your personal number? From and, my personal number. Yeah. And, and so ho- tell me about hospitality. I totally agree with you. And it's something we don't focus on enough as an industry is the components that real estate is hospitality. Dive into that more. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's the thing that I learned through the hotel business, right? Where I was, we were in a very competitive market. We had 10 other competing hotels for the Hampton Inns you know, the courtyard Marriott's and we were a Wyndham property, right? So it wasn't, it's the mid-scale hotel versus all these high scale ones. Well, how do you win people over? How do you actually go increase your business? It's building a relationship with them, finding out why they're in town, right? Understanding what it is that, that meet is, would make their stay special for them. Okay. So we used to win over wedding business all the time because we would do the little things that other hotels wouldn't be willing to do because they were just too big and they were owned corporately where we were still a family owned business. So, you know, one of the things that I did to help our business was we went out and got shuttle buses and I started shuttling people to or from wedding parties. Okay. That was a little thing that the other hotels in my area weren't doing. Yeah. Then we got into the airport business and we started bringing uh, airport travelers back and forth. Mm -hmm. Most people wouldn't go the extra mile and it's right there in front of them. Yeah. You just have to ask the right questions. So you were able to pick up then recurring revenue or or like accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're same as real estate. Yeah, you're <laughs> able to pick up accounts that will do multiple uh, transactions with you instead of just one client. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so the interesting then correlation, obviously, is that you're anticipating the needs of the customer in the hotel business in order to deliver more value, and and I'm assuming also then raise your price and raise your revenue and high in demand, right? Yeah. But the big the, the big thing in the hotel industry is you're looking for customers every single day. Okay. Well, it's no different than in the real estate. I would not have guessed that every single day. Well, we changed that. Okay. The reason we changed that is in the hotel business, you know, these third-party aggregators like Travelocity and Expedia, they take a big portion of your revenue. Yeah. Well, how do you overcome that? You have to self-generate. You have to self-generate. But then the people that you do service through there, you got to get them onto your site. You got to get them working directly with you. Okay. So I would train my staff to actually build the relationships and book the next reservation with that client before they actually left the hotel. I didn't want to give them an opportunity to go book on a third party. Okay. And by the way, we'd give them a little bit of a discount to book with us directly, and I'd still make a margin of 30 to 35% on that versus getting my third party. Okay. I love it. Um, So when you, as, as we kind of pivot back to real estate, you're in this position now where you see agents all over the country and in all varying sizes and shapes of businesses. Um, if you're somebody who's getting into the business today, what would your strategy be? And then I'll, it will kind of progress through it. What would you do if you're a new agent today? Leverage your relationships. Okay. Right. I think it's the uh, single most fear thing is I don't want to bother the people that I know. And it's the biggest opportunity you have when people know they like you, they trust you. You just come from a contribution and you build a relationship, add value to them. They're going to send you business. When you say add value, what does that mean? Educate them. Be an educator, right? 
people are never going to say no to when you're going to educate them, help them build wealth. Okay. Right. Come to the, show them exactly how you can help them build wealth. Even if you're brand new, go pick up MRE A, go pick up MRE I, learn the basic concepts. Yeah. And be a student. If you were then a CEO of a team, what would you be doing right now as, as a, as a team owner or team CEO? Same thing. Okay. Build relationships, right? It's all about who? who you know, but it's a different person, okay. right? You're, you're out there lead generating and you might be asking yourself the question, who's the person I'm missing in my organization that would take me to the next level? The problem is we're always looking to fix the problem currently at hand rather than say, where do I see myself in three to five years? Who do I need in my organization? Who's that person that can fill the gap three to five years from now, but also solve the problem I currently have? We always go and we fix the current problem and we don't look into the future. And then we have this yeah. reoccurring pattern where the door opens, we got to bring in someone new, the door opens, but we don't focus on who's the person I'm going to be in the business with the next 10, 15, 20 years. Okay. Right. One of my very first agents on my real estate team is still with me today. Okay. How do you do that? She came with me in 2013. She's still with me today. She runs my team. How did that happen? Because I focused on what was most important to her and where did I see her in my organization? I didn't look okay. at her as, hey, she's going to come in and she's going to add $50,000 or $100,000 to my bottom line. It's no, what was important to her and how do I help her along in a journey? Okay. So applying that same hospitality mentality to the people inside of your organization. That's it. And, and, but knowing you the way that I do, it's also not just, you're not just serving her like a customer. I assume you're all, uh, you're holding her accountable. What does that look like today? Okay. To the partner, right? Okay. So anyone that I'm in direct business with, even everyone in, you know, in my role, I can't have your eye. Yeah. I don't treat them like employees. Yeah. I'm in it with them. Right. And people were saying, you know, uh, you've been to SPL, right? Yeah. Servant leader productivity. Right. And what Gary teaches in there is leaders are followers and followers are leaders and, and leadership knows no position. That's how I show up every day. Okay. You will see me even at mega camp right now. I've been working the red label store. I brought my kids here on Sunday. We set, we helped set up the red label. Okay. Store because I'm in it with my people. Okay. We win together. We lose together. And your people being all of KW all my, at this all point. All my team members. Yeah. Right. Everyone's a team member. Everyone's a partner. Yeah. What do you think? The, so we, I, we've said basically, if you're a CEO, you'd be in looking for who the next person in the organization is. What other gaps do you see um, for team owners or for team leaders? Stick to the fundamentals. Okay. Everyone's gotten away from the fundamentals and you need to get back to the fundamentals. Hold yourself accountable. It starts with you, right? It starts with the 411. Are you living by a daily 411? Okay. Does your calendar reflect it? Yeah. Does your calendar reflect the, the uh, outcome that you want? Does it reflect the income that you want to generate? If not, it starts there. Yeah. You don't need to overthink it. It's not the next shiny object you're going to go buy. It's not the next source of leads. It's right in front of you. As someone who's coached some of the best team owners in the country, what do you find is the success trait for those individuals typically? What do they have that, that is a little different from an edge standpoint? Grit and consistency, right? Okay. It's uh, ha having that nonstop, I'm going to stay consistent in what I do. Yeah. And then never giving up. People fail. Yeah. Right? The only way you get to success is by failing. You're going to keep making mistakes. It's have you slowed down enough to learn from those mistakes so that you don't make it again? Or do you keep making the same mistakes every time? Yeah. And I can tell you everyone that I've coached, they fail. 
but they've learned from those mistakes. They put systems or processes in place or people in place that, that ensures that those mistakes don't happen again. Okay. So consistency and grit uh, are the two most common traits that you see. Anything else from like a leadership trait standpoint of the most successful? Servant kind, right? Be a servant leader. Serve your people. Don't treat them like a numb. Okay. Um, tactically, what would that look like? Get to know them, right? Develop that relationship, put them through the CV process, take them through the motivational interview. That motivational interview is not something you do one time and put it on a shelf or in a drawer and never bring yeah. it out. You should bring it out every six months to a year. Individually, you should look at it and say, okay, am I moving my people through? How do I know if they're succeeding? Have I touched base with them on it? And then on an annual basis, you should sit down with your people, bring it back out and say, let's celebrate all the things that you've accomplished. Okay. You're as committed to their goal as they are. You should be more committed to their goals than they are. Okay. Uh, what gets you, as we kind of wrap up here, what gets you most excited about the future of real estate? I, I truly believe that, you know, the years ahead are going to get a lot more excited. I think people are really starting to see the opportunity of what real estate has to provide. But the, the generational wealth that's about to transfer here... I'm hoping it transfers for the real estate agents and with the real estate agents versus them constantly helping others gain their wealth, right? We have an industry of 1.5 million, but if you look at it overall, how many of them are actually making money? Very few. The number is very small. Yeah. That needs to change. <laughs>